0: gathered in your name, also there you will be. We give you thanks for being with us here today. It's our prayer that you would open the eyes, ears, hearts, and minds of everyone listening to the truth of your word. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. I wish I could get applause like that. Happy New Year. I hope everybody's on time today. We're going to have a good broadcast tonight. Uh, This is going to be good. We're going to cover some things we don't usually cover. You know, we're going to start out by taking a look at things that have happened over 2011. Not necessarily just in prophecy, but what's been happening in the world. Nice look at that. We're not going to cover everything, but we're going to cover um, some things that were significant. Uh, We're going to cover some uh, weather events and some other things. We're also going to take a look at some of the bizarre things that have happened, uh, because uh, on this show... we're always pretty serious because we're talking about prophecy and things that are happening in the world and, you know, the Middle East is about to explode and our economy is in just the worst shape it's been in and some people say in history, I don't know. But we're about to crash. Everybody's holding it back from us. So we're going to lighten this up a little bit and uh, we're going to take a look at some bizarre things. I've got uh, some... (laughs) I've got some sound clips that uh, I've had to listen to two or three times because they just make me belly laugh. Some of these things just so bizarre, they make me belly laugh. And some of these things uh, are really kind of sad. Um, some of these you know, make us as Christians just look stupid. Uh, and And that's really sad because we don't need any help looking stupid. Uh, the networks and the scoffers and the unbelievers, the flesh, the world, loves nothing better than to make fun of us, to try to discredit us in every way they possibly can, and and they work very hard at it. So, we sure don't need any help with that. However, let's uh, let's take a look at some of the events that happened. Um, some things on the lighter side. I'm gonna <laughs> play a couple of these clips that I just love listening to over and over they they just make me laugh so hard um and then later we're gonna uh we're gonna we're gonna dedicate tonight's show to encouragement um we know that we're in a we're in a bad spot and over the last few shows we've shown the the fall of the economy and this one world currency that's coming uh the one world religion uh, we're just on the brink of that um prophecies coming true in the middle east it, it can be a pretty hard pill to swallow sometimes to digest all this stuff and still be on get on with our lives on a regular basis that can be a hard thing to do so we're going to um after we have a a little fun here we're going we're going to look at that stuff and, and we're going to go through some Bible verses and some stories that uh, will give us encouragement, uh, maybe strengthen our, our courage, hopefully strengthen our faith, um, give us some motivations to stand firm, to stand strong, uh, to remember who we are in Christ. So, let's see, what, what happened in 2011 that's significant? We'll just go over a few things. Of course, there's the Arab Spring. And the Arab Spring has changed the Middle East in ways that are just incredible. It's just incredible the things that have been happening over there with this Arab Spring. And they it, it, it just went down like dominoes. It was just incredible to watch that stuff, you know, and I've seen it going on in Egypt, and it's still going on in Egypt. If anybody watches the news, this stuff in Egypt is happening all the time, just constant, nonstop. And it's such a long election process. They're still in for a lot of trouble. And we also pulled our troops out of Iraq. Uh, and this was this an was Obama promise that he made during his election. And he's had all of this time to do it, but he waits until it's time for re-election before he actually does it. And he did this against the advice of all of the generals that were there and the people in the Pentagon. They warned him that pulling our troops out of there like that was going to cause serious problems. And it has. Christians are fleeing from Iraq. The sectarian violence is is increasing every day. Car bombs all over the place. It's going right back to what it was before. And if it goes back to what it was before... That means all of our treasure and all of our lives that we sacrificed over there are going to be a waste. And why? My personal opinion is that Obama waited to do it till now and then pulled everybody out against the advice of all of the military people because he wanted to be able to say during the election that he kept his promise and ended everything in Iraq. And even if Iraq goes right back to what it was before He'll be able to say that he fulfilled his promise. I've been reading stories over the last couple days coming out of the Middle East that Iran is trying to set up an agreement with Iraq. I don't know how that's going to work, seeing how Iraq are Sunnis and Iranians are Shiites. And they hate each other. In fact, they kill each other on a regular basis. So I don't know how that's going to work, but they're attempting to have some sort of agreement there because Iran is trying to fill that power vacuum. The government there is very unstable. Despite Obama saying that they're a stable working government, it's not. And everybody knows that. Anyway. Uh, Let's see. Here in America, we had massive tornadoes during this last year we had Hurricane Irene Irene was uh, uh, very devastating Irene really really tore up the Gulf Coast on top of the oil spill on top of that you folks in the Bible Belt have really been having a hard time down there I mean, <laughs> you've really been having a hard time our prayers have been with you It's been a pretty incredible year for you folks in the South Gulf states. Uh, We also have, what, Russia, China, Iran, Syria, all trading, selling missiles, nuclear technology, stealing technology from us, from each other. Uh, We can go into that another time. Uh, We also have unemployment which our current administration was promising they were going to fix this and that these massive bailouts were going to take care of all of the unemployment problems. But instead, what it's done is increase our debt over and over again. We're right now $80 billion away from hitting the debt ceiling again. Our dollar's about to crash. Our economy is about to crash. So what else do we have here? We have uh, the death of Osama bin Laden. Now that's been pretty controversial. I think that there's been just a complete uproar about that, with with the government saying that they buried him at sea because it's an Islamic tradition to bury him within 24 hours, so they buried him at sea. The problem with that is, Islamic tradition is, yes, you have to bury him within 24 hours, but you don't bury him at sea unless they die at sea. And he didn't die at sea. They killed him and took him out to one of our ships where they supposedly took pictures and did autopsy and whatever they did and then dumped him over the side. I don't see how they could do that and not think it was going to raise suspicions. Like, we're all just too ignorant. Nobody knows anything about Islam or Muslims to know that you don't bury somebody at sea in Islam unless they die at sea. So that's been pretty controversial. And there was also the death of Anwar al-Awlaki, the leader of al-Qaeda, which was a good thing. We need to get as many of those guys as we can, but we know that somebody else is just going to step right in because it created a power vacuum. And someone else is just going to step right back up to it. So <laughs> while, while it's good, don't get me wrong, it's good that we took him out, but um, make no mistake, all it did was create a power vacuum that's just going to be filled by somebody else. There we go. Um, there was also these occupy movements, which were across the country, and some of these were pretty interesting to watch uh They, they seem to be the same but yet different in different states um they They don 't seem to have a clear agenda as to what they what their solution is. I agree with some of the things they're saying, but I mean, we can complain till the cows come home, but if you don't have a solution, what good is it? You have to have a solution. You have to have a a, a plan to fix the problem because we we can whine and cry about this stuff all day long, but if you don't have a solution, then and they're just not clear on that. They don't have a clear stated goal of of what they want done and how they want it done. And, you know, I, I searched... The Occupy movement, and it comes up to a website out of Canada. So apparently somebody in Canada has started this whole thing and it just swept across our country. Now I don't know where you're at, you know, um, and, and I haven't heard anything about any of the Midwestern states having any real Occupy um, problems or issues, but I'm in Oregon, um, just a little bit outside of Portland, And our Occupy movement here, uh, they took over a couple of parks that were right across the street from each other, a couple of small parks, and started camping. And it turned into, um, instead of just an Occupy movement of protesters, um, all of the homeless people moved in there because they were supplying food and uh, they had a little medical tent. And all of the homeless people flocked in there. And, and they started having problems with, um, you know, some violence inside the camp and some drug use. And, and they, they were partial protesters, but the other part were just homeless people moving in to take advantage of the services that they were offering. And it, it was relatively peaceful compared to other places like Oakland, but still no leadership There's, uh, I, I, I just think it was poorly organized and it just makes it look like a bunch of whiners with no solution it, it just seems like it could have been organized a little better I don't know how it's been maybe where you're at <laughs> if you even had them I don't know and we also had uh, Gabby Gifford from Arizona which was an amazing story in itself You know, for her to be shot in the head the way she was and to make this miraculous recovery um, and to be doing so well after all of this, it's just amazing to me the way she's bounced back. i seen her uh, in a clip in Congress and she's walking around greeting everybody and um, the, the reconstruction surgery, she looks pretty much... Normal. You can't really tell that anything has gone south, and I mean it's been an amazing recovery. And our prayers are with her. You know, it doesn't matter if they're Democrat, Republican, Independent. You know, none of that stuff matters when when somebody steps up and does something like that to another human being. I, I, we just can't help but you know, let our prayers start pouring out for somebody like that. It's just It's just terrible when that kind of thing happens. Fortunately, um, it didn't kill her. Uh, I mean, a direct shot to the head like that. And you know something else about that whole thing that really disturbed me was there was a federal judge that also got shot. Uh, But he was a Republican. And this federal judge, I, I know people probably never even heard of this, but this federal judge threw his body in front of other people that were standing behind him to shield them from the bullets and was killed himself. But nobody says anything about that. Nobody says anything about this federal judge who threw himself in front of other people and took the bullets for them and died on the spot. And nobody says anything about it. The guy's a hero, sacrificed his life for other people. Nobody has said a word about it. It's just amazing to me. We also have our friend Murmur Gaddafi, who was killed. And you know, he, he was in power for so long, and he had been so lucky that I was really kind of surprised to see him killed. I thought he would make a getaway or his cronies would get him out of the country quickly or something, but they didn't. You remember Ronald Reagan uh, bombed Libya and bombed the tent that Muammar Gaddafi slept in because he had a tent set up next to his house and he preferred to live in the tent claiming, oh, and this is something else, he claimed at the time that his daughter was killed and I don't remember what her name was, I don't have it in front of me but he claimed that this daughter had been killed and then uh, 15, 16 years later they find out that uh, she had graduated college and was working in a local hospital there in Libya she hadn't been killed at all (laughs) Ah uh, yeah. Well and we also had <laughs> uh Kim Jong il died, which I don't know if that's gonna be good or bad. I guess we can all decide for ourselves how that's gonna play out. Um they're saying that they want uh they want the people of North Korea to be human shields for him. Yeah, we'll see how that how that works out. Um, Weather-wise, we had massive record droughts in Somalia and Ethiopia. And we heard some coverage about this, but not really a whole lot. Uh, We got a lot of uh, volunteers and missionaries over there trying to help as much as we can. But still, during 2011 in Somalia and Ethiopia, there were 30,000 kids under five that died because of this drought kids under the age of five, 30,000 of them, 30,000, 30,000 in Somalia and Ethiopia died from this drought. The Lord tells us there will be droughts and pestilence. He also tells us this is the beginning of sorrows. This is just the beginning. Thank goodness we're not going to be here when it really gets rough. We're going to talk about that later. Uh, We had flooding in Thailand. And and you might ask, why is that significant, flooding in Thailand? Well, if you go and buy anything electronic, chances are a lot of it's going to come from Thailand. If you buy a hard drive for your computer or uh, if you buy, Cell phones, iPhones, Androids, any kind of smartphones, all of those things are coming from Thailand. Well, Thailand had record flooding cost 45 billion dollars in damage. 45 billion dollars in damage. And you would expect from damage like that coming from Thailand floods, 45 billion dollars in damage. Why hasn't the goods that they produce shot up in price? But they haven't. Instead they've weathered this storm. Forty five billion in damage. Uh in Philippines, Tropical Storm Washi. Probably appropriately named. W A S H I Washi. Which was devastating to the Philippines. Filipino people and their homes are not are not built for this kind of thing. So um they don't have the in- infrastructure to, to handle something like this. So in the Philippines, 1,249 people reported dead from this one storm. Because they, they just don't have the shelters, they're not just not set up for it. 1,249 people dead. We had the earthquake in Japan, a 9.0 and a following tsunami, 15,000 people dead. In Japan from the earthquake and tsunami and that's just the dead there's still a large number of people missing and uh, I would assume if they've been missing this long they're probably going to be added to this number because you don't hang out under rubble this long and live but counted they have counted 15,000 dead and then on top of that they also got Typhoon Roque right after that which also killed people of course it didn't kill a lot because most of them were already been killed or washed away or left the country I'm on the west coast they were telling us that we would start seeing debris floating in from the tsunami in about a year and a half or two years but we're seeing it now they're saying that there's mile two mile wide swaths of debris out there floating heading our direction. And it's debris from this tsunami. 9.0. In fact, I seen yesterday Japan had another 7.0. It's still rocking and rolling in Japan. Brazil had flash floods. I don't know if you remember seeing this on the news. But Brazil had flash floods that caused boats, cars, and homes in this rushing water crashing against bridges and overpasses as these flash floods just washed everything in its path. Houses, cars, boats, people, 903 people dead in these flash floods, 903 people That's pretty incredible. It's because we are in the time of the end. When you look at everything that's going on, uh, I just don't see, you would have to have more faith to believe that we're not than that we are. So what about Harold Camping? Our friend, Harold Camping, thank you so much, Harold, because we just needed all that help to make us look stupid. Setting two dates for the day of the rapture. And his
3: followers,
0: (laughs) his followers were selling everything they had to get the advertisements out there. Have these people not seen the Bible? Have they not read it where it says no man knows the date of the hour? I've seen an interview with him with an explanation saying, Yeah, we know that, but you can calculate it, and here's how you calculate it. Oh, no, you don't. Oh. So of course, the news media was all over this. They were all over it. Because they love nothing better than to scoff at Christians and make us look stupid. Out of all the things that Christians do around the world to help people who are disadvantaged, and they never say a word about it. But let someone like Harold Camping come out, and man, it's, it's network news. It was all over the news, it was all over the internet, it was all over everything. They were on this like white on rice. There is no escaping Harold Camping, everybody knows it, everybody mocked him, they laughed at him, they made fun of him, they said, these stupid Christians. Well, you know, if they were saying this just about Harold Camping, that would be one thing. But they weren't. They were associating all Christians with Harold Camping. Thank you so much, Harold. Thank you so much. So let's take take a look at some of the bizarre things that have gone on. And I've got some sound clips here (laughs) that made me belly laugh. I'm going to share these with you. (laughs) Yeah, you know, <laughs> because he just made me belly laugh. But let's let's take a look at some of these other ones. Did you hear about the woman who crawled inside the dead horse for a photo shoot? This was on the news. Maybe not everybody saw it. I'll tell you what happened. <clears throat> Since I can't show you pictures, apparently a horse had died, and and they opened up the horse and took the insides out. And then this woman, who was I I don't know if she was. Um, nude or partially nude, crawled inside the carcass for a photo shoot and took a series of photos of her getting in and coming out of it and parts of her body sticking out of the inside of this horse and she was covered with horse blood and goo and it it was just the most bizarre thing I think I've ever seen and I've seen some pretty bizarre things. But this was so bizarre that someone would be so starved for attention that they would crawl inside a dead horse for a photo shoot. What what was Sodom and Gomorrah like when God decided to go in and wipe them out? Were they doing some disgusting stuff like this? I mean, is is this kind of stuff we're talking about? Oh, yeah what is your mindset to do something like that? Crawl inside a dead horse for a photo shoot really? you couldn't find a nice beach or <laughs> you, you couldn't you couldn't find a forest setting, maybe a nice sunset come I in, come on <laughs> crawl inside a dead horse. you gotta be kidding me uh we also have the UFO that was spotted at an NFL broadcast. You know, how do you deal with something like that? You know, with Photoshop and, and technology the way it is today? I mean, you could you could put pretty much whatever you want in that broadcast. But it was, it was bizarre and the you know, the people who uh subscribed to that kind of stuff were having a little party saying that they discovered the truth and blah 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 blah. You know how that goes a UFO on an NFL broadcast. Well I guess they wanted to watch the game. <laughs> I don't <know. laughs> maybe it was a good game and they just wanted to they wanted a bird's eye view. I don't know. Uh also here's one that made me smile. A sideshow performer. His name is John Shaw. Now, John has a very unique talent. He's able to put corn up his nose. And he puts this corn way up his nose, and he's able to push it back out his eye. So he pulls his eyelid, his bottom eyelid down, and he pushes kernels of corn out of his eye. I guess that's what makes him a sideshow performer, huh? If he can push kernels of corn out his eye. How would you like to have him as a dinner guest? What's for dinner? Roast beef and corn. No, not corn. (laughs) Yeah, here you go. Plunk, plunk, plunk. John Shaw. Popping corn out of his eye. What about the uh, picture of Jesus in the Walmart receipt? I don't know if anybody's seen this. I've seen a picture of it. It's a white regular Walmart receipt that looks like it's either water-stained or ink-stained. Something like that it has a image of what could be construed as a man with a beard. And, of course, they say it's a picture of Jesus. Well, why didn't they pick something else? Why couldn't it be a picture of Hare Krishna? Or why couldn't it be a picture of Mohammed? Or, you know, the guy that runs the store on the corner. Maybe maybe Buddha grew a beard. I mean, why does it have to be Jesus? It it looks like a picture of somebody, uh, of a person, but just because, you know, somebody with a beard. Prophetic sign from heaven. Maybe maybe they send that over to Harold see what Harold Camping can do with that (laughs) oh boy and there's a brand new claim that we have 33,000 asteroids and 20 new comets hurling toward earth 33,000 asteroids and 20 new comets and you know I have a clip about comets that I'm gonna play that's gonna go right along with this. Let me play this clip about this guy who says that uh, he's had a revelation of, from God about this. Listen to this. A comet
2: called Elenin. There's gonna be a massive earthquake on the planet. The next alignment happens on September 26th this year. The whole Pacific Rim will go. New Zealand will disappear. Japan will disappear, Indonesia will disappear, China will disappear, Korea will disappear, Russia will disappear, um, the west coast of America will disappear, the whole
0: lot. The whole lot. All of those are going to disappear from these comments that are heading our way. You have officially been warned. Officially been w- Warned. <laughs> Speaking of warnings, I gotta play this. I gotta play this other one since we're talking about warnings. This is a this is a guy in Southern California who has set up his own television network who says he predicts earthquakes. <laughs> I might have to play this twice so you can understand it because the guy's yelling. <laughs> but listen to this clip. This is funny.
1: This is Frankie McDowell, my own TV station live in the Neville Park. Attention citizens of California, attention citizens of Oregon, attention citizens of Washington, and attention citizens of Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Earthquake warning has been issued for California. It's going to be 9.0 or greater magnitude.
0: <laughs> the guys in Southern California predicting an earthquake.
1: <laughs> oh, like it's going to be a surprise for them. Listen to this again. This is Frankie McDonald, my own TV station live in the Neville Park. Attention citizens of California. Attention citizens of Oregon. Attention citizens of Washington and... Contentioned citizens of Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Earthquake warning has been issue for California. It's going to be 9.0 or greater, magnitude. <laughs> I didn't get
3: such
0: a kick out of that. I just had to hear what the guy's saying. <laughs> ah, I think that's funny. Oh, let's see. What? I- <laughs> What else do we got here? Uh, They're doing scientific experiments to see if they can access memory, the way the brain operates, and rewrite it for people who have bad memories. I've seen a special on this on uh, public broadcast. It it was actually pretty interesting. Um, They're trying to map the activity in a brain, the brain that comes from um, watching movies or accessing memories, and they're creating a dictionary for that, So they can determine what each one of those means. It's not like reading minds, they say. It's more like if they could access bad memories and either change them or remove them, that people wouldn't suffer from things like this. And they say this mapping may also um, work in video games and other games. And they've created a lesser version of this thing. It looks like a headset that goes on your head, except it has instead of where a microphone would come in your mouth. Instead it has something that goes across your forehead that reads your brain waves. And you can control these video games with your brain. There's no controller. You control it with your brain by brain waves. Book of Daniel says people will run to and fro and knowledge will increase. Just another one. Here's another bizarre one. PETA people for ethical treatment of animals. Or is that people eating tasty animals? No, it's, it's people for the ethical treatment of animals. They're seeking in Illinois a memorial for cows that have been killed on Illinois highways. That's right, a memorial for cows that have been killed on the roads in Illinois. And they want a formal memorial for these cows. That's interesting. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna play another clip here that I thought was pretty funny. There's a there's a lady who believes that. What? Let me just let me just play this. She thinks that uh, there's gonna be a dirty bomb detonated in America, and that Obama and his cronies are gonna try to leave the. Country before it happens, so they're not involved in it. But that she is the spirit that's in charge of this galaxy, and she's going to explain what their fate will be. Listen to this:
2: The Pleiadians have uh, told the Draconians and the Reptilians on this planet through me earlier today that if 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 Obama and his entourage gets on airplanes and leaves the United States so that they're free and clear and away from these dirty bombs that are supposed to be detonated and let loose on the 8th of November that when they land on the other side of the ocean earth is going to let loose with a, with a shake, rattle and roll like these guys have never seen before. Late next spring everybody that gets to live on this planet gets 5.3 million dollars. That was a deal arranged through the Syrian ambassadors with the guys at the top of the money tree The banksters. Everybody else been playing this little game with the humans down here. If you don't surrender, you're going to die where you stand. And don't test me on that either. You people need to know who I am. I am the spirit of the mother of everything in this galaxy. And my twin flame, Michael, he's going to be here on the the 28th of February. But he's close enough now, he can see what's going down on this planet, and we have his permission to take you down. He'll be here for mop-up.
1: This is Frankie McDowell, my own TV station, Lossman in the Neville Park. Attention citizens of California! Attention citizens of Oregon! Attention citizens of Washington! And attention citizens of Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada! Earthquake warning is an issue for California! It's gonna be 9.0 or greater (laughs) magnitude!
3: So... well...
0: There's gotta be some light side to this, right? I mean you know, if you're not setting a date for the rapture or popping corn out of your eyeball or looking for a memorial for the cows, I mean, (laughs) there's got to be a light side to this somewhere along the line, right? All right, well, (laughs) I just wanted to cover those things and make things a little lighter. Um, Beginning of the new year and we don't want everything to be depressing and Blah, 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 make it real bad for everybody. We'll start off on a light note because this is not going to be a light year. This is going to be a year of prophetic change. Things are going to happen this year. Now, I'm not going to be a herald camping and, and make any kind of predictions. But I think it's pretty clear to see the direction that we're going, um, especially in the Middle East. Um, there's so much prophecy that's coming to pass in the Middle East Uh, from Ezekiel 35, 38, from Revelation, uh, and from Daniel, that you just can't deny it. And we've covered this extensively over the last month. Uh, There's there's just no denying it. So with all these things happening, I I think it's pretty natural for uh, people to have a certain degree of Fear about all of these things. Nobody wants to see our economy crash. Nobody wants to see religion uh, turn into a one world religion that's a mix of everything, which for Christians like you and I, that's just not acceptable. And it's going to be a hard thing for us to deal with. Uh, the economy crash is is going to be a hard thing to deal with. Experts all over the place are talking about how the economy is there's, – there's just no way out of it, um, and besides what's going on in the Middle East. So I'm going to do a quick prophecy update that we usually do at the beginning of every show, but I wanted to give everybody a smile and a good mood before we actually started in on some of this stuff. This won't be a long prophecy update. Uh, We'll just spend a couple minutes on it just to keep everybody informed. Um, And then uh, we're going to talk about some encouragement and and maybe some scenarios that I'm not saying will come up but could come up that may test our faith. Uh, We're going to see if we're ready for that. So let's see what the prophecy updates have for us today. Nigeria. Uh, The cities are in lockdown after an emergency decree, and we talked about this last week. Uh, finally, the government's stepping in to do something about this. Nigerian began the New Year's Sunday under a state of emergency in areas targeted by Islamist attacks on soldiers, patrolled hard-hit cities in a bid to end spiraling violence in Africa's most populous nation. Residents in the northeast of The country reported an increase in patrols and checkpoints, with soldiers in pickup trucks armed with rifles stopping vehicles and forcing drivers to exit while also questioning them. In the central city, security agents took over local government headquarters. Two helicopters hovered overhead while the intensified patrols occurred on the ground. Everywhere is deserted. One resident said people have refused to leave their homes because they're afraid of what the soldiers might do to them. Their city, their country is in a state of emergency because Islamists are causing the problem to that point. (laughs) Now, Now, listen to this. U.S. sanctions on Iran's central bank. Tehran has called this an act of war. On the last day of 2011, Barack Obama Saturday signed into law measurements penalizing foreign financial institutions doing business with Iran's central bank. The toughest sanctions imposed yet ever, Iran's development of a nuclear weapon in recent weeks has repeatedly warned that it would deem this signing of this measure an act of war. And respond with drastic steps, including the closure of the Straits of Hormuz. The bill targeting anyone dealing with Iran's central bank seeks to force other countries to choose between buying oil from Iran or being shut out of the trans, uh, transactions with U.S. financial institutions and banks. The new sanctions will take effect in 60 days. The toughest, not for at least six months. They're giving Tehran some space to cooperate with international man- demands to call off its nuclear weapon program. They say the president will have some flexibility in applying these measures. And the Muslim Brotherhood plans to cancel the peace pact with Israel, because, you know, they are now in uh, the majority in Egypt. Well, here's what they say. The Muslim Brotherhood comes up with a neat trick to break the peace treaty with Israel without formally doing so. The Muslim Brotherhood comes up with uh, a ruling party says it simply will hold a... Oh, no, it says a deputy supreme leader in the Brotherhood told the Lebanon-based newspaper Sunday it respects international treaties, will leave the issues of the peace treaty in the hands of the people. The pact was signed by then-Egypt President Anwar Sadat and Benakin Begin, but a cold peace has set over the past several years. People will express their opinions on it. All parties can reconsider the treaty, and Egypt's, Egyptians haven't yet had their say. We won't violate the treaty, they say. We can put it up for referendum among people or parliament. We'll see how that works out, huh? And there's a story that claims that the U.S. is still fueling the arms race in the Middle East. Thirty billion dollars. Sales of Saudi Arabia announced by the Obama administration on Thursday is a continuation of history of US weapon sales that has resulted in the of a wide variety of enemies as well as friends of America in the Middle East and all over parts of the world. The deal includes the sale of 84 F-15 jets, assorted weaponry, to the Arab Kingdom. You know, they're Muslims. Well, you know, we've been doing this for a long time and it's turned on us many times before... You know, we're we're arming our, quote-unquote, allies in the Middle East. And Russia is arming their, quote, allies in the Middle East. So doesn't it look like Russia and America are at war with each other, but they're proxying through these smaller countries? They're letting the smaller countries pay the price, Russia's saying, here's all the weapons you need, go get them. America's saying, here's all the weapons you need, go get them. Doesn't this just seem like a all this war? There's a story here about Iran being worried about the unrest in the Arab world. Hararetz reports that the Arab Spring is having an effect on the Iranian regime. They said on Monday, while briefing members of the Foreign Affairs and Defense Committee members on changes taking place in the Middle East, they noted that Iran is troubled by the recent developments in Syria, and especially by the possibility of losing its alliance with the Assad regime. They also stated that Iran is worried that the recent upset in the Arab world may lead to similar turmoil, among their own population. And they probably should be worried about that. I think that would be a legitimate concern. So with all these things going on, and us stuck in the middle of it, do you remember when we talked about America in the Bible? And how we're going to have to pay the price for our backsliding. With all of these things going on, the crash of our economy, the crash of our dollar, the one world religion, everything going on in the Middle East, floods, earthquakes and volcanoes, I think it's natural for us to have a certain amount of fear. Our flesh, our human flesh, being here on the ground in the midst of these things, I think just naturally stirs up some fear. You know, it tells us over and over in the Bible that we don't need to have fear. But nevertheless, a certain amount of fear still comes, and we still get that little lump in our stomach because we're unsure of what's going to happen, the fear of the unknown. And when these things start happening, it's, it's unknown how it's going to go down, how it's going to affect us. Worried about our family, our friends, our livelihood. And let's face it, the disruption of our lives. This is, I think, in the Middle East this year. If it continues at the progression rate that it's going now, because it's getting more hostile and more heated every single day, When we get to that boiling point, things are going to explode over there. Somewhere, somehow, somebody's going to do something that's going to spark it. And when it sparks, it's going to blow up. Well, when that fear comes, how are we going to deal with it? How How are we going to be able to stand strong in who and what we are as Christians? Because, let's face it now, uh, uh, I'm I'm broadcasting to a predominantly Christian audience. There may be some unbelievers who are listening. And there may be some agnostics who are listening. But predominantly, the people who are are listening to this are Christian. So how how are we... In all categories, going to deal with this. How are we going to deal with the fear? How are we going to have any comfort? And what's going to happen if we get to the point where things get real bad, and you have to make a hard decision? Now we've kind of talked about hard decisions before in the past, where if um, if it came about that you had to have the mark of the beast to buy or sell, and you couldn't feed your family, what then? Well. You know I recently seen a movie that really raised a a question for myself and I'm going to share that with you the, the question that it raised for me in this movie terrorists had taken four Christians and they had bound them their hands behind their back put a sack over their head and set them in chairs and they went to that first Christian and you could hear a a gun chambering around the the click of a round being chambered in a gun don't know if it was a pistol or a rifle the person who had the sack over his head didn't know and the question was I'm going to give you one chance to renounce Jesus as God you get one chance here and this person just heard that round being chambered do you renounce Jesus I said no. Well, he hesitated. He didn't answer that quick. But he said no. You heard the shot and then a thump as the chair fell over. If you're one of the other three, what are you thinking at that point? So then you hear it around being chambered again being asked again obviously the next person do you renounce Jesus as God give one chance they had just seen one of their own being, being killed that person caved and said yes I renounce him they stood him up said get him out of here and the other two Christians all they heard was that person being shuffled off it came to the third person. They said, Do you renounce Jesus as God? Long hesitation. You could hear the person breathing hard underneath the sack. He quietly said no. He heard the shot and the thump of the body hitting the floor. Now if you're that fourth person And you've just seen what happened. Two other Christians who refused to denounce Jesus. Who were shot and killed. The person that did it was shuffled out. They got to live. What would your decision be? What would my decision be? We have to ask ourselves... How strong we really are! It's easy to, to be in a group of friends, or to be, in or even sitting at home, and have the determination to say, "I will never do anything like that," because you're in a situation where you're safe and secure, and the situation is hypothetical. If you were actually in that position, and it cannot. That your chance. Ask yourself, honestly, and it's a rhetorical question. You don't have to call me. But ask yourself what your decision would be. Now, if somebody wants to call, I'll give you the number. It's area code 760 760 760- 4605 and if you want like to make a comment or weigh in you, you can feel free to call but I think that's a question that we need to ponder that's going to tell us if we're actually who and what we say we are because if those times come you may be in a very hard situation And you may be gripped or even overwhelmed by fear. And we we need to ask ourselves what we would do, honestly. And if we don't have a strong enough relationship to be able to do that, then we need to strengthen it. We need to have security without fear, knowing who and what we are in Christ. Remember, Remember Peter when he denied Jesus three times. He did that because he was scared. And the people in the crowd said, hey, you were with this Jesus. And he said, no, I never knew the man. Because he was scared. He had just seen what happened to Jesus. Jesus had been scourged. He'd been whipped so bad, he was just a bloody raw mess. They had taken the the crown of thorns and pushed him down on the top of his head. They had plucked his beard out. They punched him. They kicked him. They spit on him. He was a mess. And I mean a bloody, gory mess. And Peter was scared. He said, I never knew the man. They said, yes, you were. You were with him. No, you're mistaken. I wasn't with him. And the whole time, he's fleeing from the crowd. Three times he denied him out of fear. Yet, after he received the Holy Spirit, he was fearless. Because that's what receiving the Holy Spirit does. It makes you fearless of these kind of things. Or does it? Does it also take knowledge? Well, it took knowledge for Peter. It took Peter knowing that Jesus had rose from the grave on the third day, knowing that he was filled with the Holy Spirit, which, you know, if I'm speaking to anybody who's never been filled with the Holy Spirit, this is something you have to experience. This is not something I can explain to you. There's no words to explain this. I I couldn't show you a picture. There's 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 no way to explain it. This is one of those things you have to experience. And when you do experience, it's life-changing. Absolutely life-changing. Cuz remember at Peter's death, Peter was crucified. And when he was crucified, what did he say? when it was actually time for him to die, and he was going to die the same type of death that Jesus died, he said, I don't deserve to die the way my Savior did. Crucify me upside down. And he insisted to be crucified upside down. Which if you know about crucifixion, it's really asphyxiation. You can't hold yourself up. Your arms are bound above you. And it cuts off your breathing. And and you're asphyxiated. Besides whatever wounds they inflict on you. You can't breathe. That's why they had the little marker down there for your feet. And you'll notice that on the cross, every time you see a picture of the cross, it always shows them with their knees bent a little bit. Because they had the ability to push themselves up just enough to get some air. Just enough to make them suffer. Because remember... In the prophecy of the coming of Jesus, it said that none of his bones were broken. Well, what, what happened when the soldiers were ready for these guys to die? They didn't go kill them. Instead, they broke their legs, so they couldn't push themselves up anymore. That's the reason for breaking their legs. Because if they can't push themselves up to breathe anymore, they're asphyxiated. And they suffocate on the spot. And remember, they didn't break Jesus' legs because they said he was already dead. And they said, you make sure he's dead. And that's when they stabbed him in the side with the spear. Because in case you weren't aware, in those days, the Romans, who were experts at crucifixion, experts, and they had to be. Because if they crucified somebody and that person didn't die, they paid Those soldiers paid with their own life. So the sentence for the soldier who didn't complete the job correctly was death. So they made sure everybody that was crucified was dead.
3: Because if
0: not, they were dead. And if you remember, when Paul was in prison, and they had the earthquake, and it popped open the prison doors, the guard was ready to kill himself. Why? Why? because if one of those prisoners had escaped, the guard would be killed. So the point is, Peter was afraid. Up until that point, that he received the Holy Spirit, and at that point he knew who and what God is, God was, and had an understanding of it, and became... And became very brave because he had spent time with Jesus. It came to his remembrance. Remember, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will bring me to your remembrance. And it was at that point he understood everything that Jesus had talked about. And he knew what the truth was. Remember, Paul said that he couldn't wait to be separated from this broken, dying, sinful body. He was looking forward to it. So let's look at some passages that will help strengthen us in times of trouble, in times of trouble that may be coming. Because I I think these things are important, you know, because we talk about all the time here how important it is to make sure that we are who and what we say we are. Well, you know, Matthew 24, 6. says, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye not be troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Make sure ye be not troubled. Jesus tells us not to be troubled. He's telling us not to be worried about this. He's got us in the palm of his hand. So when you see these wars and rumors of wars things about to explode in the middle of the way they are because we are in the end times. Jesus himself is telling me and you when you hear of wars and rumors of wars see that ye not be troubled for all these things must come to pass but the end is not yet. These are the beginnings of those sorrows. The end is not yet. And we can can be assured of that. We also have Jeremiah 30, verse 7. Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It's even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. For that day is great so that none is like it it is even the time of jacob's trouble and the tribulation is related especially to daniel because in daniel 9:24 through 27 the prophet shares a vision of 70 weeks these are years concerning israel 69 of those weeks have been fulfilled When Christ returns for his church, the prophetic clock will tick again, fulfilling the final week. It's time. And you can find it right there. That's Daniel 9, 24 through 27. And do what I always recommend that everybody does. Don't take my word for it. Go look for yourself. Church is not the recipient of God's wrath. The tribulation is a time when God's wrath is poured out on the earth. And Paul assures us that we won't go through this time. Uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, here's what Paul says. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. He has not appointed us to wrath. We, as Christians, have salvation and don't have to go through the wrath. We may go through the beginning of the sorrows, but when things turn really bad, we won't be here. Because the world is ready for the Antichrist. The church is not all it should be. And when the influence of the Holy Spirit is removed at the rapture of the church... The world will be ready for the final dictator, and you'll see that in second thessalonians two seven through eight. That's not my opinion That's in second Thessalonians two seven through eight, because our present trouble and the things that you and I are going to see don't even compare to what's coming in the tribulation. We need to be thankful that we're not going to be here for that we're not going to put up with any of that. Because it's going to be bad. So let's look at some more things that God tells us of why we should be brave, why we should be confident and not have this fear. How about Psalms 46.2? Therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea? See, he's talking about when things get really bad. Therefore, will not we fear though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. We don't need to fear even though we know that's what's coming. Because we have salvation. We have protection from that. And when these things come, we're not going to be included in that. So how are we going to build our faith? How are we going to prop ourselves up to be able to deal with these things? We have to trust. You know, some of the hardest things that we do as Christians is maintain faith and trust. Some of the hardest things we do and, and, you know, two-edged sword. You know, you're absolutely right. A spirit of fear. We don't. We don't have or need a spirit of fear if we have the trust. The trust is so important. So what does it say? Uh, Psalm fifty-six, three. What time I am afraid, I will trust in Thee. So he tells us we're going to be afraid, that we're going to have a certain degree of fear. But when that fear comes, when these things come to pass that we talk about, that we've been talking about, when we see our economy crash, when we see the Middle East explode, when we see religion turning its back and becoming a one-world religion, leaving us out in the cold for persecution or going to jail for hate speech and all of the things that are going to come with that, What time am I afraid I will trust in thee? Psalm 56.3. Because we have to go back and ask ourselves those questions. Of what will we do when those hard times hit us in the face? We are not separated from this stuff just because it's about to ignite in the Middle East. Because we have not only those problems to deal with, because we're proxy war we're in war as a proxy over there anyway. We're feeding them all of the weapons from our, to our allies to fight this war. But we also have this religion that's turning on us and making us the outsiders. And we also have our economy that's going to crash to the point where our dollar is worthless. Lives are going to change in this time period. I don't know if it's going to be this year. I don't know if it's going to be 10 years. But it's going to happen. And we're right on the edge of it. And we have to cling to Psalm 56 for our very lives. For what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. If we can trust what he tells us. What does it say in Psalm 27? He says, the Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He's telling us over and over again that we don't need to be afraid. We are the loving children of the most powerful being ever to exist who created virtually everything If we can trust anyone, who would you want to trust? The Lord is my light, my very salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. And whom shall I be afraid? Of whom shall I be afraid? When you have a protector like that, who do we need to be afraid of? no one no one so as these things that we talk about start coming to pass are are we going to be able to be strong enough to hold on to his word, the word that we just shared not just you, but me I have to ask myself these same critical questions I'm no different than you are I have same, the same types of fears that you do. I have to keep my own faith and trust in check all the time. We're in this together. I don't want to go through this by myself. I want to go through this with the trust and faith to know that I have brothers and sisters in Christ who are going through the same thing that I can rely on, the same as you can rely on me. I want to be reliable for you. I want you to be reliable for me. Do you remember? Do you remember Moses? When they went into their first battle and he put Joshua in charge of that, during that first battle, he had to hold his staff over his head. And when his arms got tired and the staff started coming down, Aaron had to help hold his arm up because when the staff came down, the Israelites started losing the battle. And when Aaron propped up his arm and the staff went back in the air, that's when they started winning the battle. As long as that staff was in the air. But Moses couldn't endure. He couldn't hold it up there during that whole battle by himself. And he needed Aaron to prop his arm up, to hold his arm, to help keep that up there because There's a lesson there. We need to prop each other up. When you start to fail, when you start to lose trust, when your fear starts getting the better of you, then that's when one of your brothers and sisters in Christ need to step in and prop you up. Because when that happens to me, and my faith starts failing, or my trust starts failing, or... I slide off of the road into the ditch. I'm going to depend on you. My brothers and sisters in Christ to help me back up or to prop me up to make sure that I don't fall by the wayside. We need to stand for each other and understand what these things say. Understand what our job is. To understand who and what we are, the trust and faith that we can have because God tells us. He's speaking directly to us. what does it say in Revelation? Let's look at Revelation chapter 13, verse 18. You ready? Catch your Bible open. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it's the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six. Who's the coming ruler? This beast. Well, you know, I've, I've learned some hard lessons here lately. That when it comes to interpreting future events, that that's something that I need to stay away from. And I need to stay away from it because it's like belly buttons. Everybody has a different interpretation everybody has one and they're not all the same and they can't all be true so why should I throw my hat in a a ring of 99% who are wrong there's only one truth they can't all be right and I just don't want to be in that ring I want to stay with what, what the Bible says with our recent history and our current events. I'll be the watchman on the wall to tell other people what's going on as, it, as the parade goes by. So I read this verse because we need to watch for him. Our time is at hand. And just like everything else is a process, just like the crucifixion was a process, when it says in Matthew 24, don't let your heart be troubled, for these things must come to pass. These things must come to pass. Things have to happen before we get to that point, because there's a process here. And the coming of the Antichrist is going to be a process that if our eyes are open, we'll be able to see it coming. Now we may not see him actually show up and do his work. Hopefully we'll be out of here by then. But we should be able to see it coming if we're open to the understanding that these things are a process. That's why I, I'm trying to explain through these through these episodes about how this whole process thing works and showing you the process on all these different fronts, with the One World Government, the New World Order, the One World Currency, the One World Religion, the things that are happening in the Middle East, every time that we report something new on that, we're reporting part of the process. And if you come and listen on a regular basis, then you'll see this process in motion. Just like if you draw a picture on a stack of cards and then flip through the cards, you'll see each card progresses in a cartoon or in whatever symbol, you'll see movement because you're thumbing through those cards and as each picture goes by and each one's a little bit different, you see the process of what's going on there. And that's what we're trying to do here is is show you that there's a process here and if we pay attention, we can see the process to see the coming of this beast. Revelation 13, 18. Revelation 13 is packed full of this stuff. It's a, a Read it for yourself. I'm not going to try to interpret it. But I will say that this is proof that he's coming and that we should be able to see that process if we're, if we're paying attention and our eyes are open. And let's make sure that all of us are paying attention and that we all have our eyes open. Revelation 13, here is wisdom. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beasts. For the number of a man, his number is 603 score and 6. That's all I need to say about that. It's just that we should be able to see this. We should be able to see this, my friends. Uh, All right. Let's see. What else do we have here? Uh, Perilous times that's what we have here we have some very perilous times that I want to make sure everybody is ready for I want to make sure everybody can see it 2nd Timothy 3, one. you know 2nd Timothy is such a valuable chapter I've just got so much out of that you know that's 2nd Timothy is where is where we get the um the verses of the end time prophecy of uh Uh, The unholy, unfaithful, disobedient, blasphemers, proud, uh, boastful, and also having a form of godliness, but denying his power, and ever learning, but never able to come to the truth. That's affecting a lot of Christians, because we are in that time. And we know that when we went through the one world religion, we pointed out how even Christians are falling away, unable to come to the truth. Anyway. Second uh, Timothy three one. This know also that in the last day perilous times shall come. Perilous times shall come. Second Timothy three one. This know also that in the last day perilous times will come. I don't think I even need to say anything there. I think everybody knows what kind of times that we're in. Everybody knows we have not had perilous times like this ever before in our history. Never before in our history have we been on the brink the way we are now. Never before. These are perilous times that are unprecedented. Think about When in the past has world destruction ever been so close? When have we ever been to the point where the existence of mankind could be destroyed within a couple hours? Pillars of smoke. In Ezekiel, when they talk about men's tongue melting in their mouth as they stand there, as the flesh falls from their bones, before they even hit the ground, it's prophesied. When have we ever been closer to that? The next step from where we are now is that actually happening. Because we know what that is. In Ezekiel's time and in Daniel's time, this was a bunch of mumbo-jumbo. and made no sense at all. Today, you and I sitting here looking at these, it makes perfect sense. Because that's exactly what a nuclear blast does. It will melt your tongue in your mouth and drop your skin off of your bones before you hit the ground. The heat is so intense and it produces pillars of smoke. Second Timothy three one This know also in the last days perilous times will come. Tough times are perilous times. Now remember remember what it says in uh, Isaiah forty one ten through thirteen Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. How much more do we need to hear to have that trust, to strengthen our faith, to know who and what we are in Christ? I'm going to say that again. Isaiah 41:10 through 13. He couldn't say this plainer, fear thou not, for I am with thee, be not dismayed, for I, thy God, I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness, for I, thy Lord, thy God, will hold up thy right hand, saying unto thee, fear not, I will help thee. Isn't he saying the same thing right there that we just talked about with Moses when Aaron had to hold his arm up there to hold that staff in the air so that the Israelites could defeat the the Malachites? Malachites? Was it the Malachites? I don't know. I don't have it in front of me. But it's the same principle. God's saying the same thing. He's saying he's going to do the same thing for us that Aaron had done for Moses to hold that staff in the air so so that... Israelites could be, well, they weren't Israelites then. These people could be victorious in the battle. Aaron held him. He supported him. That's exactly what he's saying here. For fear not, I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Same thing. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. That's what Aaron said to Moses. Fear not, Moses, I will help thee. And he held his arm up there to make sure that staff stayed in the air. We have no reason to fear. Even though fear may come, we have to trust that what God tells us in his word is true. We have to trust. It says in Luke twenty one twenty eight. Now listen to this. It says, And then these things begin to come to pass. Then look up. Lift up your heads. For your redemption draweth nigh. Luke twenty one, twenty eight. It tells us clearly here. Let me read it again. And then these things began began to come to pass, then look up. Lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. What's another good one? How about uh, Romans, chapter 8, 38 and 39? Chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing will be able to separate us from Him. He gives us His Word, He will hold us up with the right hand of His righteousness. That when these things come to pass and we see the world falling apart in front of us, we can stand firm and confident And know that God's word is true. We need to have faith. We need to be strong and trust Him. We have to trust Him. He wants us to trust Him. And He couldn't make this any clearer. He couldn't make it any more plain. About how we should be trusting Him. And when we're dealing with the world in the times that we're in... We have to make sure that when we deal with unbelievers or agnostics that we're doing it correctly. That we're doing it righteously and in a loving way. That we're not giving them just part of the gospel. That we're, we're not being apostates and only telling them part of the story to try to sucker them in. We need to tell them the whole story. Yes, there's love, grace, and mercy. There's also judgment, justice, and wrath. Which is the price that's paid for sin, unless they're saved. 1 Corinthians, chapter 8 and 9. But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to them that are weak. 1 Corinthians 8 and 9. But take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. This makes me think of Harold Camping being a stumbling block making people stumble and fall through whatever his problem is i don't know what his problem is but he is so far off base it's not even funny and he's just making us look like a bunch of boobs i i hope i hope that people will see the truth about him and and not necessarily be Strongly influenced. So what does it say? uh, When those times come, should we lose our lives through those times? Because, you know, sometimes you have to tell doctors this. You know, we're all going to die. Doctors say, well, you shouldn't be doing this because that'll kill you. You know, I feel like saying, well, doc, Didn't they teach you in medical school we're all going to die of something? I mean, something's going to kill us. He says that like we can avoid it. Well, what does Paul say when he talks about it in 2 Corinthians 5.8? He says, We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. We are confident, I say, and willing, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Some doubt that Christians go to heaven when they die. Unlike Paul, he was confident. He was sure. Because you know the story of Paul. He knew for a fact. Well, some think that the soul and the body are one and that both die in the grave. Paul looked forward to the day that he'd no longer be limited by his flesh. He anticipated being absent from the body. Because he knew to be absent from the body was to be present with the Lord. You know, he also wrote in 1 Corinthians 15.55... Oh, death, where is thy sting? O oh, grave, where is thy victory? He knew. He was confident. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? There is no sting. There is no victory. We live on through Christ. There is no sting of death. Because the, the death is the body only, not us. There's no victory there for the devil. there's no victory there for death, not for us i I hope that I hope that everybody is sharing their everyone is sharing their salvation stories and testimonies with their loved ones and trying to bring everybody to salvation. You, you you don't want to not ever see these people again, right? Well, Acts 17.11, let's look at that. These were more noble than those in Thessalonians in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. They searched the scriptures daily to see if those things were so. Because when people tell you things, the same thing I say all of the time, You need to have your Bible open and verify what's being told. Verify that it's not being taken out of context. To make sure that what you're getting is the truth of his word. Because you don't want to be in these perilous times and not have the real truth. Now, there's no doubt that there's going to be false prophets, there's going to be false teachers, there's going to be apostates, people are going to tell you all kinds of weird things. Harold Camping's a good example of that. People fell right into that. David Koresh. um, But there's all kinds of false prophets that tell you all kinds of things and all kinds of people just dig right into that stuff. But it is through faith and grace that we're saved. Not through our works. Our works determine our reward when we get to heaven. You know, I was I was sitting earlier today in front of the fireplace, just staring into the fire. And I was thinking about over the thousands of years, even back to the time of Abraham, that mankind has sat in front of an open fire and stared into the flames and watched them dance. And you can sit there quietly and just watch the flames dance. And it gives you a chance to contemplate, to meditate on who and what you are. It made me think that, I should say it reminded me that when we get to heaven, our works will be tried by fire. And our good works are what will remain. And the rest will become dross. And it's by those good works that we will receive our rewards. Now, make no mistake, there's going to be, there's going to be some Christians who are in heaven who are going to smell like smoke. Because it's going to be all dross. But they're still going to be in heaven. even if their works are all burned up in the fire and there is no rewards left over for them. They still have their salvation because it's by faith and grace that we're saved. Acts 15.11 says, But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved, even as they... What was he talking about? He was talking about being apart from God's grace, which is, as you know, grace is unmerited favor. There is not an ounce of hope for the best of us, for by grace we are saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, this is the gift of God, not of works, least, least any man should boast. That's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Because there is no salvation through works. It is by grace and faith. His grace, our faith. And the things that we've covered tonight have to do with faith and faith. When these come, when Matthew 24 comes and he says, let your heart not be troubled for these things must come to pass. When it explodes in the Middle East, our economy crashes, our religion turns on us, it turns into this new world order, and the world turns against us as Bible believers. We have to have faith and trust. That's our salvation, faith and trust. He provides the grace. We provide the faith. And you can't have faith without trust. I thought it was important to dedicate this first show of the year to encouragement. Because for the most part, through the rest of the year, we cover some pretty dismal things. But they are things that we have to know. It's things that I have to know. they are things that you have to know and understand what's going on in the world as we watch this process so that we can grasp onto these and we can hold up somebody else who's weak that we're not a stumbling block that we can hold up someone who's not as strong in the faith as maybe you are you need to be able to hold to them you have some scriptures you can tell them and tell them about your faith and your trust we have to be able to hold to these things you have to know how to prop somebody else up because when that time comes if you need it I want to be able to prop you up if I need it I want you to be able to prop me up because I'm telling you our time is at hand I think we could see it in our lifetime. What does Revelation say? Revelation says, chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that heareth the words of the prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. He will come in fulfillment of this. It says in John 14, says, I will come again and receive you unto myself. He couldn't make it any more plain. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that heareth the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. John 14, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Acts one eleven. the same Jesus is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 16 and 17 says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord you have to trust him that he's going to do what he says he's going to do and it doesn't matter the things that happen on earth because our eternity is already set in stone you have to do your part he does his part with the grace the love and the grace we do our part with the trust and the faith and we can't shy away from that We don't want Him to shy away from that, do we? We don't want Him to say, well, I'm just going to give you some of this. (laughs) I'm just going to give you part of this faith. I mean, part of this grace. I'm just going to give you part of this love. You don't want that from Him, do you? Well, He doesn't want that from you either. He doesn't want partial. He's not giving you partial. He's not giving you half a sandwich. He's giving you the full meal deal. And in return, He doesn't want your scraps. He wants the full meal deal. You have to do your part. For the Lord Himself shall ascend from heaven with a shout, and the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then... We, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. He tells us. If I need to be propped up, brothers and sisters, I hope that you're there for me. And in turn, if you need to be propped up, uh, I want you to know that I'm here for you. We need to be here for each other.
3: <sighs>
0: what does it say in Daniel twelve four? Here's another good one. Daniel twelve four. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the, shut up the words and seal the book, even to, until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. John says that all Christians really believe in the return of the Lord take steps to get their lives in order. They do more than sit around and speculate over the identity of the Antichrist. They forsake sin and seek the will of God in every area. Here's what John says. 1 John chapter 3 verse 2 and 3 Beloved now we are the sons of God and it doeth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath the hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. So you see, even even though we don't know exactly what that's going to be like, we can't give each other details of what that's going to be like. He guarantees us one thing will be like him. So whatever that is, is going to be good for me. If I can be like him, then that works for me. I don't need the details. I've heard enough. You understand what I'm saying? I don't need the details. I've heard enough. That's all I need. Just tell me, Lord, I'm going to be like you, that you're coming to get me, that we're not going to be going through this. Praise the Lord. That's all I need. Because we we have to maintain our faithfulness and our trust. So, let's see, what, what does he say about faithfulness and trust? He says in Matthew 25:23, "His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things; I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord." It's one of the rewards for being faithful. We need to be faithful. We need we need to be faithful and have trust, doing our part. So that he says, well done, good and faithful servant, thou hast been faithful over a few things, I shall make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He's not saying you have to be perfect. He's not saying you have to be totally victorious over everything. He knows we can't do that. If we could, we wouldn't have needed the sacrifice on the cross if we were able to do that. It's because we're not able to do that that He came and sacrificed on the cross for forgiveness for our sins, so that we can go to Him in righteousness and do the best we can, forgiven. It says in John, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive them. Faithful and just, He, He'll exercise that justice which is forgiveness that was given to us on the cross, and He's faithful to do that. You don't have to ask Him for forgiveness. He's faithful and just to apply that forgiveness when we confess our sins. The Lord say unto him, Matthew twenty-five twenty-three, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. So in the upcoming shows, when we talk about all of these bad things that are happening around the world, they're happening in our country, they're happening in our lives with our neighbors and our friends. I want you to remember this show of encouragement. And as things start getting worse, we'll do this again. Because usually during these episodes, I have to bring you so much of, of what's going on in the world and how close, how close we are. It's so important for everybody to have their eyes open and know where we're at. And even if some of these, you know, I've noticed this, what I'm going to say too, I've noticed this. There's been times where some of this stuff just seems like, oh, you know, what does this have to do with anything? And then a week later, a week and a half later, it clicks and something else happens. And you say, oh, oh, now I see. That's what we were talking about a week and a half ago. And things start coming together. So even if some of this stuff, you know, kind of makes you, you know, yawn, you you still need to pay attention to these things because they're all connected. Even if they're not connected at that moment, they will be connected. So how are we supposed to stand in these times of trouble When we ourselves feel fear, when our neighbors feel fear, what about if we're all together and we all feel the fear and all need to be propped up? Somebody has got to step up. Somebody has to step up and prop up those who are falling down. You know, Daniel Daniel was very, very strong in his faith. And he wasn't really shy about saying what needed to be said, even if the consequence was being thrown into the lion's den, or the consequence was prison. He still stood up no matter what the consequences were, and stood for the Lord. Here's what it says in Daniel 3.18. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, talking to King Nebuchadnezzar, be it not, be if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship thy golden image which thou hast set up. Because King Nebuchadnezzar told him he needed to worship his gods and they had the golden idol and said this is our God that you need to worship Daniel said no be it known unto thee O king that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up no he stood up to the king who had the power of life and death over him stood right up and said no no king we're not going to do that He had the power right then to put him in prison, to have his head chopped off, to throw him in the lion's den or the fiery furnace or anything he wanted. Could have shot him with a bow and arrow, stabbed him with a spear right on the spot and got away with it, dragged dragged the body away. It was no big deal. They did it all the time. And Daniel and his companions knew it. And still he stood right up said, but if not, let it be known unto the old king, we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Daniel 3.18 Because Daniel was sure. He was confident. We're almost out of time. And I hope that this has been an encouragement to everyone that's listening. You know, uh, before before we go off of the air tonight, I want to give a little bit of a uh, report about uh, what's going on here. You know, uh, our listenership in the month of December has tripled over the month of November. In fact, it is a little over 3 times the listeners. We have gained listeners from all kinds of different sources. From the listeners in iTunes have have really grown. I was kind of surprised how many people are accessing us through iTunes. Some of you folks are listening on cell phones. Some of you are listening through game systems, and I assume that you're getting your internet through your game system. Uh, Some are listening through web browsers. Some are listening through uh, places that provide podcasts or RSS feeds. Many of you are listening through search engines. Um, Some of you are listening through um, our actual website here at Blog Talk. Um, Although, it turns out that the people listening through the website on Blog Talk are probably only about 20% of our listeners. The rest of you are coming from all kinds of different sources. And and I'm getting emails and communications from people across the country down through the Bible Belt. You folks in the South seem to be in tune with this, Um, where I'm not getting... I'm not saying nobody in the Northeast is listening. They may be, but I'm not getting any communication from anybody in Maine, Connecticut, any of those northern Massachusetts, any of those states. I'm not getting any communication. So if you guys uh, up in those northern states are are listening, by all means, send send me some emails or uh, tell me you're listening. Um, I'd love to hear from you. I know that we have um, some listeners in the UK and we have some in the... Middle East. We have some in the old publics of what used to be the Soviet Union. Um, I know that I've been hearing from some listeners in Kazakhstan who are telling me some pretty frightening stories about things that are going on there, where Putin and his regime are starting to build things up in and around Kazakhstan um, and kind of using it for a hub, I guess. It's I might be wrong, but that's what it sounds like. He's using it for a hub. He's building up arms and um, missiles and stockpiling stuff all around um, some of the outskirts of Kazakhstan. So all of you folks that are listening, um, I uh, I just want to say thank you for for coming and, and listening to what we have to say. Um, thank you for your feedback. Um, I know a lot of you... Can't call; um, it's long distance for a, a lot of people. Seven six zero area code. But you can email me, email me anytime you want. Um, I'm always open to hear from everybody in any way, shape, or form. You can go on my show page. My email is there. Um, you can go on Facebook. W. Dean shook on Facebook. W. Dean shook in Twitter. W. Dean shook in uh, Facebook. Uh, and it's W. Dean Shook. Uh, pull it up on Google or on Yahoo or anything. All of that information comes up. Please feel free to contact me anytime. Until then, we've only got a couple minutes left. I want to play this invitation, and I'll be back here tomorrow at eight o'clock. I hope that all of you will join me as we jump right back into keeping an eye on what's going on, um, and uh, feel free to interact. Uh, any way you like. Um, I'll start giving out the number more often. Usually, I, you know, I, I get on such a rant that I, I don't, I don't give the number out as much as I should. Um, I'll try to do that a little more. Until then, I'll see you all tomorrow. Love you. God bless. My friends, this is your opportunity to start a relationship with Christ. Whether you're rededicating your life or coming to Him for the first time. This is a very simple thing to do. Just say this prayer and mean it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I accept that you died on the cross for forgiveness of my sins, that you rose from the dead on the third day. I will confess that I'm a sinner. Please wash me clean. Come into my heart. I dedicate my life to you now. I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. My friends, if you just said that prayer, and you truly mean it in your heart, welcome home. We've been waiting for you. Welcome home.